Welcome to MIM Cuts to the Chase podcast series. I'm your host, Guy Hazelman. Our guest today is John Wills. John is Global Head of Client Portfolio Management for Private Credit at MetLife Investment Management. Welcome, John. Thanks, Guy. It's, it's good to be here. So, John, I'm going to give you just a bit of a setup here. In my opinion, private credit has come quite a long way from 20 years ago when it was an obscure and fragmented market, but now has become a mature institutional market that has had significant and steady annual growth and deal flow. Its aggregate size, I believe, is now well above a trillion dollars. I'd like to focus our discussion today, though, on investment-grade private debt and the beneficial role it can play in a multi-asset portfolio particularly for a defined pension plan or any portfolio with a stream of long-term liabilities. But before we drill down, could you tell us a bit about how we should think about investment-grade private credit? Sure, Guy. At the most basic level, the sector involves a private lending agreement with a borrower. It can encompass a corporate entity, an infrastructure project, private structure debt, asset-backed security debt. The proceeds can have wide-ranging uses. The borrowers can be public or private entities. It's the lending agreement that is private. That means the security isn't listed on a publicly tradable exchange. A main attraction of private lending is that everything in the lending agreements is negotiated, and it's aligned to fit the needs of both the lender and the borrower. should lead to a long-term lending relationship. When we talk about private credit here, we're predominantly focusing on the investment grade end of the spectrum. We've found that the risk-reward trade-off is best within the investment grade and the double B space of private credit. So we're not focusing on the higher yielding, riskier, below investment grade private debt world. That is the focus of many of the private equity houses. So what are some of those benefits that you were referring to that might enhance portfolio performance from such exposures? There are a lot of potential benefits, but I think one of the biggest for sure is the amount of diversification an investor can get. Diversifying portfolio holdings can certainly lower portfolio correlations. It plugs holes in a concentrated portfolio and in turn moves the efficient frontier up and to the left, potentially increasing return and lowering risk. This is something we can talk about, but sticking to diversification, the universe of public and private companies that we can enter into a private lending agreement with is large and diverse and contains many niche sectors that are not achievable in the public markets. The public markets are dominated by certain sectors, such as financials, telecoms and tech. Adding an allocation to private credit can help complement a public portfolio by diversifying into sectors that are much less prominent in the public markets, such as infrastructure assets or unique family-owned businesses. You know, markets today, I find, um, uh, are kind of dicey, if you will. Uh, You get a lot of aggressive uh, people who become bearish, but others who remain quite bullish. So I guess my question is, how has private credit performed in past downturns? One of the strengths of private credit is how it's performed in economic disruptions. 
This is particularly evident in the 2008 global financial crisis when private credit performed extremely well relative to many other asset classes. Historically, we found that downturns can be the best period for private credits to outperform as covenant structures keep issuers on track. And when there is issuer financial deteriorations, these covenants allow for economic adjustments, such as an amendment fee or a coupon adjustment to compensate for the issuer's increased capital structure risk. Also, new issuance in a downturn tends to come with an increased illiquidity premium, so you get paid more during these times. All these private credit characteristics help balance out the performance of a public bond portfolio. That's a nice transition into coming back to your earlier comment that you said we could talk more about, and that's the efficient frontier. Uh, besides diversification then and correlation, does the enhanced return per unit of risk profile come from other potential benefits as well? Well, Guy, one way to seek extra yield in a fixed income portfolio is to simply invest in lower rated credits. But extra yield can also be achieved by adding private credits and obtaining an origination premium over similarly rated public bonds. Increased potential return can be obtained this way, but with the acceptance of an increased illiquidity risk. Investors who can handle greater illiquidity can achieve a more resilient portfolio through diversification and negotiated covenants that help mitigate the downside risk. Historically, private credits have lower loss rates than similarly public-rated credits, and um, this is a combination of lower default rates and higher recovery rates. So that upside-downside capture gets skewed a bit by the flexibility, but more about the negotiated covenants that, that you've mentioned. And I've always been a bit fascinated uh, about covenants, maybe because I don't fully understand all of the potential um, covenants that you might be able to negotiate. So with that in mind, like, what exactly do you like to negotiate or what is being negotiated and what type of metrics might they be tied to? The covenants in investment grade private credit are typically in line with an issuer's senior bank facility. The covenants are all negotiated by private lenders and, and they're really there to seek and provide terms that lay the framework for an issuer to maintain its rating profile. Covenant terms will differ across issuers and sectors. But they typically will include a leverage ratio metric, such as debt to EBITDA or debt to net worth. And they'll include a debt service calculation that'll measure available cash flow. These metrics are all put in and designed to monitor the financial health and maintain the rating profile of the issuer. So what happens if a covenant is actually violated? If there's going to be a shortfall on a covenant, that's going to bring the lender and the issuer to the table for renegotiation to avoid issuer default. The results of the negotiation can include an economic adjustment to correspond with the added risk, such as a, a fee or an increased coupon, like I previously stated. It could entail the issuer providing additional collateral, or in an extreme case, it could require a full prepayment. However, these are negotiations, and I'll note that private credit lenders are long-term lenders and certainly value long-term issuer relationships. 
and reputation absolutely plays an important part of a successful platform. So both lenders and issuers are strongly incentivized to act prudently and fairly with each other, even in challenging times. Yeah, it certainly makes sense to me that reputation and long-term relationships will play a role in the long-term success of private credit deals. What else do you feel is necessary to find success in such a private credit platform, let's call it? Well, for an investor to maximize success in a private credit relationship, it's very important to partner with a manager that has vast experience in structuring transactions, certainly has acute knowledge and seniority levels of a capital structure, and has a platform that sources in diverse sectors and geographies. Infrastructure and sports lending are just a couple of excellent examples of unique private sectors that add diversity and stability to a debt portfolio. Managers that are experienced in private credit have built many strong relationships, which lead to better access and first looks at financing deals. So relationships play a significant role in private credit. So I guess my question is, since you're not finding it in a public market, they're private, how actually do you source deals? It's multiple ways we source deals. Successful private managers have built multiple channel sourcing platforms that include working with bank agents and advisors, working with equity sponsors for infrastructure transactions, and directly source transactions with issuers throughout the platform. A platform that does all these will significantly improve private credit access and uncover diverse and bespoke deals. And it's also essential that a platform has a consistent and comprehensive research and underwriting process and a highly disciplined approach to underwriting these transactions. Let's talk a little bit more about insurers or public or private pensions or any others who might be focused on liability management or cash flow management. I would think that the flexible structure of private credit that we discussed earlier can play just a huge and important role in this regard in filling holes or for portfolio completion type strategies. Yeah, flexibility is absolutely key. Um, to start with, the most successful managers have a good understanding of an investor's liabilities and investment objectives. And private deals can be structured to better match the investor's liability and cash flow obligations. I'll also point out that longer duration transactions, which are available in private credit, create income streams and mean a much less reinvestment risk for an investor. I think private and public credits acting together are an excellent portfolio completion strategy and private credit is an ideal vehicle for better matching assets and liabilities. The flexible structure of investment grade private credit with a wide range of maturity dates, sectors, countries, and currencies, even fixed and floating rate issuers can all be used to optimize and match the long-term liabilities and cash flows of an investor. So in the news, the world seems to be going through quite a bit of, let's call it transitions and uh, kind of a, a, a new paradigm. So what are clients actually talking to you about? It's all the headlines in the current news. I mean, uh, there's discussions on inflation, rising rates, 
the tail end of the global pandemic with continued supply chain disruptions, the emergence of a major war in Europe. These are all serious macro issues that all the investors are asking about. And how do you answer that in terms of what it means for private credit? In my answer to that is private credit has been a road tested uh, vehicle through multiple challenging crises. NIM's been investing in private credit for over 100 years, and uh, the asset class emerged during the Great Depression in the 1920s as a way to stimulate the U.S. economy. We've invested through the dot-com bust, we've invested through 9-11, through the global financial crisis, to name a few of the recent disruptions. We build our portfolios credit by credit, always with long-term buy-in, managed philosophy behind how we underwrite, we talk to our issues on a regular basis to understand how they're managing the current challenges. And we certainly have seen economic ups and downs over that. And through all the asset classes, not just survived, but thrived through these challenging times. And it's for that reason that private credit is also in the news today and seeing tremendous growth. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts today, John, and uh, your insights. We appreciate having you. Uh, thanks for having me, Guy. It is not MetLife Investment Management's intention to provide, and you may not rely on this podcast as providing, a recommendation with respect to any particular investment strategy or investment. The information and opinions presented or contained in this podcast are provided as of the date it was published.